Heavenly Father, we come. We come grateful for a chance to be together, to discuss, and think about what it means to follow after you in a fallen world. And we ask that you would be with us, that you would give us wisdom, and you would give us grace. Help us to grow in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so Isaac was in the middle of his written exams for his ordination. And I was like, I can teach Sunday school next week. You've got all these tests. He's like, oh, let me see what I can do. And then Monday, we get a, a text from the pastor up in Gig Harbor. His wife's grandmother had passed away. They had to rush out to a funeral. Could one of us come? So Isaac goes, says he can do that. So that's great. And then Tuesday, Masha falls and breaks both wrists. So there was like no chance whatsoever Isaac was going to be here today between all of those things. So um, he's actually still going up to Gig Harbor uh, this morning. So we'll keep him in prayer uh, as he's uh, bringing God's word to the folks up there. But you're stuck with me. Uh, hopefully bringing our, um, our Brett talk on uh, critical race theory and intersectionality to a close, Lord willing, today. Uh, there might be other issues that we jump into, but I'm hoping to, to wrap this one up. Uh, again, we're, we've been, when I've been teaching, we've been looking at critical race theory and intersectionality and just quick reminders of what those are. Obviously, you probably hear those going around today, that, that language being thrown around. Critical race theory is, is taking uh, Karl Marx's uh, economic theory and applying it to culture and race. Uh, so it... It says that um, racism is primarily corporate. Uh, it is uh, a white problem that you can only be a racist if you're white. Uh, it says that uh, America is systemically racist, that it's ingrained in its laws and institutions, and that people should be rewarded not on the basis of their labors, but all people should receive the same outcome, the, the language they uh, use when they use the term equity that's what they mean. So if you remember Karl Marx said, you know, uh, people will be rewarded not on the basis of their labors, but on the basis of their needs. That's that's that theory being brought in to race issues. Uh, and then intersectionality carries that forward into other areas as well, like social class and gender, uh, uh, gender identity, sexual orientation, and, and numerous other facets, uh, saying that each of these will either afford privilege or, or oppression. And the more groups that you belong to that have historically suffered oppression, uh, the more like your social credit score goes up. And so our goal uh, in these talks has not been to, to try to say everything we could about these and definitely not to try to talk uh, politics, but to address the issue that some within the church are, are embracing these, these philosophies and saying that this is, this is what the gospel calls us to, and we're trying to narrowly ask, is that true? Are these views consistent uh, with, with the Bible and with Christianity? Uh, and so that's what I've been wrestling with. Um, my standard reminders as we get going, uh, these are sensitive and emotional topics, and they're going to elicit fear and anger. We just want to guard our, our, our language and how we interact with these things, remembering that the Lord always calls us to be charitable and honest and gentle, um, and, and we want to try our best to do that. Uh, last time, a few weeks ago, when I was uh, leading Sunday school, we looked at the issue of privilege, which has become sort of a hot potato uh, in society. 
Uh, people are constantly accused of being privileged, and if you are privileged, you are somehow evil, that it's vilified. Um, and so those who have privileges try to pretend they don't, they deny it. Um, and those uh, uh, who don't have privilege are, are somehow exonerated as if they can do no wrong. Uh, and that's not biblical. Uh, just to remind you, uh, privilege itself is not bad. It's what you do with it that is good or bad. But God commands us to give our children every possible benefit we can. Now, obviously the Bible doesn't call us to see privilege simply in terms of of wealth and not even primarily in terms of wealth. The privileges that we are are most uh, commanded to give our kids are uh, a safe and a secure home, uh, instruction in God's word, moral upbringing, discipline. A child who has these things is light years ahead of a child who doesn't. Um, now, the Bible does say that a, that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And there is that, that statement of, of passing on assets and things like that. But that's not primary. And then we went from there and said that the, the biblical response to all these blessings, because that's really the biblical word for privilege, is blessings, is not guilt, but gratitude. And, and in fact, the Bible has strong words for, for, for those who receive blessings and deny them. That's ingratitude. That's, um, that's entitlement. And these are the kinds of things that the Bible condemns. Now, we don't take those blessings and use them to hurt others. That's wicked. That's evil. And if you do those things, the Bible has great condemnation for you. But we don't want to deny them or be ungrateful for them. Today, uh, as we continue our discussion, I, I want to look at a couple more additional issues. Um, specifically, I want to ask if the philosophy of, of CRT and intersectionality are compatible with God's gospel message of grace. Uh, we've already looked, is it compatible with God's law, his justice? And we said no. But many people say that this is what God's, you know, the Christian message of grace should look like. And I want to look at that. And then hopefully, Lord willing, there will be time at the end just to bring some concluding thoughts and concerns as we move forward. So that's, that's the goal in the time before us. Okay, so as I said, we've looked at God's law, his justice, and seen uh, incompatibility there. But what about the gospel? First of all, what is the gospel? What am I asking? Because I have no idea. No. It's God's good news. Good. Good news of salvation in Christ. Good news of salvation in Christ. Specifically, what in Christ? How do we get that salvation? By faith, good. That's what we do. What has Christ done for us? Yeah, he suffered death in our place on the cross. That's key. Um, because one of the primary, one of the basic tenets uh, of, of CRT and intersectionality is that um, the primary way we see each other is what? We, we, what's, what's the primary way we see each other according to CRT and intersectionality? Through race? Through race? Skin, color. Skin color? Privilege. 
privilege, wealth, sexual orientation, gender. In other words, what distinguishes us, right? That's the primary way, whether that's wealth, social status, or whatever. And my question to us is, should or, or can we as Christians see each other primarily in this way? Can that be the primary way we see each other through what divides us, whether that's skin color or gender or, or, or social status? No, we focus on what unites us. We have to focus on what unites us. And of course, we talked about that in creation, right, with the image of God. But that's carried even farther, isn't it? In the gospel, how does the gospel talk about these differences? Well, Galatians three says. Galatians three says, yeah. yeah. Good. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but you are all one. In Christ Jesus, like that verse that we just painted on the wall says, that, that what, what the Lord's Supper tells us is just as we, are, we eat from one loaf, we are members of each other. We are united to each other in Christ, and that defines us. Good. Um, now, let's be clear on what he's not saying. Is he saying that there are no differences? Is he denying that people continue to be Jew or Gentile or, or male or female or, or slave or free? No. If that was the case, what, what, where would we end up? Yeah. That's what the world is saying. Right? Ironically, they're saying there are no gender differences and your gender differences define you. So I don't know which is which. But um, if, if, if that's what we were saying, if we were saying that the gospel destroys these, then we wouldn't have a problem with homosexuality or gay marriage or things like that, right? Because there would be no uh, male or female. That's not what the Bible is saying. Uh, sometimes people will appeal to this passage to say that there are no uh, role distinctions within marriage or within the church, that it destroys them. That's not what it's saying. Um, uh, men and women continue to have distinct uh, differences and different callings. Uh, so like in the book of Acts, we've looked at this before. In, in Acts 15, they talk all about whether or not circumcision is necessary to be saved. And they look at Titus, and they say, Titus, you don't have to be circumcised. And then what's the very first thing that happens in Acts chapter 16? Not her? It's Timothy. Yeah, like right after this big debate about whether or not Titus needs to be circumcised, and everybody says no, it says Paul took Timothy and circumcised him. And you're thinking... What's that all about? Right? What's the difference? Timothy actually had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. But he had a Jewish mother and grandmother. Yet Timothy has a Jewish heritage. Titus doesn't. And Paul says, well, yeah, no problem. We'll circumcise the Jew, not the Greek, not the Gentile. And he sees no problem there. He's, it's, what he's saying is, that's not a problem. 
right? If, if Jews want to go to the synagogue and, and, and do these things, that's no problem. They want to have the Passover, that's no problem. We're just not going to tell Gentiles they have to. Because, because what, what makes us one is not that we do things identically, but that we have a common salvation in Jesus Christ. And so he, those distinctions aren't destroyed. They're just not primary. Um, the Bible doesn't say these distinctions disappear. It still says, men lead in the church, men lead in your home, right? Um, it still says, women, be with your children, raise them up, right? That's not, that's not, a, that's not destroyed, that's not obliterated. Um, it, but it's, what it's saying is, but we are all co-heirs of heaven. We are all children of God. It doesn't, you can be a slave, under the most brutal master and still be an heir of heaven because your slavery doesn't define you. And sometimes what happens is I think well-meaning people say, I don't even think of you as fill in the blank, the color of their skin, right? And what the the intention is, is I don't think that that defines you or should make us different. But what's the problem if you just simply say, I don't even think of you as black or brown or white or or, or whatever? What's the danger of that? Well, you're actually saying that you don't, so you're already drawing attention to it. You're already drawing attention to it. But when we say it that way, it can sound as if, even though you are, it's not like you are. It's like as if there was something to be ashamed of. Right. Um, uh, sorry, somebody. Oh, I just said that if you say that, you're saying that there's something wrong with it. There's something wrong with it, right? In other words, husbands, I'm going to give you some real quick, like life-saving advice right here. Do not go up to your wife and say, "Honey, I love you. I don't even think of you as a woman." No. <laughs> and wives. Probably not good to say to your husband, honey, I don't even think of you as a man. Right? Right, what's wrong? Like, right? This is a beautiful thing that the Lord has given you, right? What we're saying is, this, this what, what, what distinguishes us complements, right? Um, and there's a beauty there. It's beautiful to be black. It's beautiful to be white. God has made us different colors. That's nothing to be ashamed of or deny. What, what, we, what we need to articulate, what we're saying, is that I don't see our differences as any cause for divide. I love being together, right? That's really what we're trying to articulate, and we need to be more careful in how we do, right? Because, because it, it sounds like is I can see past that. You don't need to see past it. Right, um, and uh, the gospel doesn't destroy our differences. It destroys the barrier created by those through salvation, so that we have fellowship amidst those. Um, and so, any group that says whites should just hang out with whites or blacks should just hang out with blacks is completely missing what the gospel does. And, and there are those who embrace CRT and intersectionality who say things like that, right? Like if, you have, if you're white and you have black friends, you're just virtue signaling, you're just trying to, and you're even more guilty. And it's like, wait, what? 
Like, like saying you, we, can't, we can't have relationships that cross racial boundaries. That is a denial of the gospel. That's a denial of the gospel. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it would be very difficult um, in reality and terrible. The, the Bible says that the wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles has been torn down, that they have fellowship with each other. And then, and then Paul says, if I rebuild that wall of hostility, I'll find myself on the outside of God's people. The last thing we want to do is rebuild walls where God has torn them down. Because when we do, we won't be on the right side of the wall. That's Galatians 2. Um, and so the last thing we want to do is divide the unity that the gospel brings. Um, it, and, and so you have ugly language uh, um, about division outside, but you hear it sometimes within the church. You have white supremacist groups which are just an abomination and a denial of the gospel. And when you rebuild those walls, you find yourself outside. There's a group uh, claiming to be Christian called Kinism, which says churches should gather around ethnic identities. That is terrible. Um, The idea to live separately by color is contrary to what the gospel does. Now, having said that, I, I realize that there are language barriers. The church uh, from whom we bought this building was predominantly Chinese. Um, and their services were in Chinese. They were, it was a place where people who have immigrated to, the, to our country could just go and hear, hear the word preached. And that was a wonderful, beautiful thing. Now, they would never have cast you out for having... Uh, not being Chinese, and that's the good part. Um, you just might have struggled to hear, understand, unless, of course, you spoke Chinese. Um, I, that's not an issue of trying to divide by skin color. That's just an issue of wanting to hear God's word and understand. Um, and I also realized that, that over the years, ethnically divided churches have often been the only refuge for people who have been mistreated. For for much of our nation's history, um, Sunday was a retreat from being mistreated because they couldn't get away from that um, Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday, they could just go and not be hated, not be ridiculed. Look, it is... A grievous reality that houses identified with the worship of our God have been the place of pain and misery based upon color over our nation's history. And I don't fault anyone who has simply wanted to go to church and not be hated for their skin color. My point is advocating for separation on the basis of ethnicity undercuts the reconciliation that the gospel actually brings. Um, and we need to be careful that any advocacy, which, which yes, exists some in the 
it, within people who claim to be Christians, and, and we need to fight that. But, but that's a huge movement within the CRT intersectionality movement that we can't agree with, that, that we should divide by skin color. We can't. The gospel tells us no. Um, I think another area that it's incompatible with the gospel is that it fails to see how the gospel transforms uh, how we see affliction. Um, Romans eight sixteen to 17 says this, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, I, I hope no one hears that and thinks I'm suggesting a you-need-to-get-afflicted-more mentality. Um, but the Bible is quite clear that if you belong to Jesus, you need to expect affliction. And it says that there are blessings there because you share in the affliction of Jesus Christ. And, and we're not trying to promote it. We're not trying to increase uh, unnecessary causes of affliction. But... W- we must acknowledge that the Bible tells us not to expect a life free of affliction. And, I would say, more importantly, it tells us how to respond. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The gospel teaches us to see those who mistreat us through the eyes of Christ um, with love, uh, compassion, and even pity. It calls us to see mistreatment in terms of the mistreatment Jesus has received. Uh, And and any such understanding is completely lacking and incompatible with the literature uh, of CRT and intersectionality. Now, obviously, CRT and intersectionality don't claim to be Christian, and I'm not expecting them to. I'm not expecting them to understand the gospel, and I'm not expecting them to embrace and embody the gospel. They're they're generally very anti-Christian. And so the explicit pursuit of vengeance in the literature is not surprising. Um, My point is that Christians should see an incompatibility with how the Bible teaches us to respond to injustices we have received. That's a difference. Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but... Uh, do not overcome uh, evil with evil, but overcome evil with good, right? Um, now, that's easy to say, right? To to people who are, are, are suffering affliction that you're not, to say, you know, just, just bear your affliction, right? Now, now, it's not really easy to say, but there can be that temptation, right? Somebody's suffering and just say, oh, well, what do you expect? You're a Christian, you should suffer. no. That's not what we should be saying. We should be doing everything we can uh, to, to stand in the gap and to care for those who are... But we can't say, well, here's the right response, or you shouldn't expect that. Neither uh, uh, can we miss that as tables start to turn. Because... When I see some of, of the ideas and, and philosophies that are gaining traction today, what do I feel? Fear, huh? Threatened. Threatened. Scared. 
Fear begets anger. And that, that desire to clobber anyone who appears to be a threat shows up. And I have to remember, should I expect a life without affliction? And how does the Lord call me to respond? Yes. They don't know Christ. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. Of course, it's all going to be me-centered. Right. In other words, fallen man is always at war with, with, with their creator and with each other. This is one more manifestation. What we want to do is, is say, can a Christian embrace these things and be consistent with Scripture? I'm not saying that if you've fallen into, you know, you've been wooed by these, that you're clearly not a Christian. No, no, no. The challenge is always to come along and examine everything in the light of Scripture. But what I, um, but yeah, no, of course we're we, we're not surprised that that there there are philosophies out there that would would divide man according to race, and that there would that would that would um, uh, elevate sexual immorality or things like that. Of course we shouldn't be surprised. Um, nor should we respond in kind. Right? Um, Jesus doesn't allow me to point out the errors in someone else's thinking and, and not my own. I have to take my own medicine and I have to heed my own advice. And so I have to love those who would seek to afflict me. And I, I need to pray for those who persecute me. And that's hard. Uh, but that's the call of my Savior to me. Yes, Constantine? Exactly. Going back to what Gary said, you know, of course, this is this is what the heart of, of fallen humanity produces, and 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 fallen humanity is never saved with with a tirade of facts. We speak the truth, but it's a heart issue, and until we start to really wrestle with the heart. Yeah. So I'm sure we could add, but for me, those are two huge incompatibilities with the gospel. One is, is it maintains or even deepens those, those earthly distinctions uh, and makes them primary. And the other is that uh, it, it fails to see our, our affliction through the cross and, and respond in the way the Lord calls us to. I'm not saying that we, we don't address injustices. Of course we address injustices. Um, but we have to guard our hearts against um, bitterness, anger, vengeance, and things like that. Um, in the time remaining, I, I just want to bring out some three concerns and cautions just to kind of, as we, as we wrap up our discussion, to kind of keep in mind. 
Um, the Bible tells us that peace is important. Uh, Romans twelve eighteen. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Peace matters. Uh, Psalm thirty, uh, Psalm one thirty three one. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Right? These are good things. That doesn't mean that we fake peace by sacrificing truth, but peace is a noble goal. It is a good thing, uh, and it's not the goal of CRT and intersectionality. Uh, it seeks to divide and to rule uh, and to control and. and As we've seen, there's the goal there to replace one kind of discrimination with another. That's that's not a good goal. Uh, A good goal is to get rid of discrimination. Um, And so it wants to divide groups by by skin color and and status and and wealth and gender. Um, And obviously one concern is that this is contrary to God's word. But I'm deeply concerned about what it will do also on a practical level. Because if we we encourage antagonism between groups, what will eventually happen? If you're dead set on putting groups at war... What's going to eventually happen? War. War. And then? Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get very hurt, right? Usually, who is that? The weak one. The minority. Um, Eventually, the majority will crush the minority. That is contrary to the word of God. We are to care for the weaker the afflicted, those, uh, the future of, of CRT and intersectionality, I think, is very bleak. Because once the groups are divided, it is, and it's all-out war, you, it will end very badly for the minority. And that's not good. Um, that's bad. We cannot support that. Um, another concern, I want, and I want to be careful here, but it's the priority of experience. Um, one of the common refrains within these movements is that if you have not experienced something, you can't speak. And on the one hand, I get this, right? I, it's far too easy to be dismissive of what others have experienced, right? Um, and, and that's wrong. This is why the Bible says things to us like, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, Right? Um, but there's, there's, an, there's another equally dangerous reality that's not being addressed. The Bible also says stuff like this. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Um, the, Bible just, the Bible says that just because someone states his case doesn't mean he's right. And we need to be open to being questioned so that the truth might come out. And that's especially true in deeply emotional issues. Historically, people who were more emotionally involved in in something did what? In big decisions. They recused themselves from any, any 
decision-making that involved that issue. Um, why? What does it mean to recuse yourself? Why did they do this? What does this mean? Uh-huh. Right. Right. I, I, there's a danger here that I'm going to let my own hurts and anger and bitterness cloud my judgment. And, and, I, and I'm just going to go for a pound of flesh whether that's just or not, right? So anybody ever sat on jury duty? Okay. Um, what happens? What do they question you about before? What do the, the, the lawyers question you about before you sit on a case? You ain't? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you have any personal history in this kind of case? Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Sometimes they want you to be emotionally um, compromised. Right. It depends which if it works for them or against. But typically, right. Um, our elders do this because. For all of us, our, our families are a part of this church. And when we're dealing with something that's about one of our families, how, is, it, is it super easy to be objective because we have so much inside knowledge? <laughs> no. Well, and so when we'll answer questions. We'll, we'll give our thoughts. But we, we step aside when it comes time to vote or make a decision because we don't, we don't trust ourselves to be objective. Um, we, we, we get that. Um, that used to be commonly accepted and recognized. But now it seems that unless you are emotionally involved, you must recuse yourself. And, I, and, and there's a balance here. Look, I, I, I get it's easy to be dismissive of something that's a thousand miles away from you. But we can't think that just because we've suffered some injustice, we're the only ones who can see objectively. That's not justice, and it's not wise. And it will only make things worse. And so we've got to really be careful with this. Only those who who are emotionally involved can speak. We want to hear, we want to understand, we want to listen. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But you can't stop there. That's not a biblical model. And that leads to my final caution, and I, and I think this is super important. Um, guard your hearts. As we expose the errors of others, it's easy to ignore our own. Uh, it's easy to judge everyone who looks different and assume they believe certain things. Uh, it's easy to discount um, their wounds caused over the years. Uh, by by white people, even those within the church, and be dismissive. Um, where does that lead? It's going to lead to a, a, its own tribalism, its own divisions, um, and eventually vengeance. Everything. I've spent the last few sessions critiquing. Um, 
That's not the answer. The answer is to speak the truth in love, to outdo one another in showing honor, uh, to take up our cross, and to make sure that we're we're not doing things that, that make our church feel inhospitable to people. Um, think about the ways we talk about some of these things. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so said? The word they, right? Oh, they. Or if you look at statistics, 17 you know, you start listing all these. Imagine somebody struggling with these things, walking through the conversations on Sunday after church. Would they feel welcome or hated? Um, That's on us. That's on us. Many of the concerns that are being raised today are valid, even if we disagree with the solutions. So let's do everything we can not to make matters worse by retreating into our tribal comfort. Let us offer a better way of love and, and humility and gentleness. And when we are attacked, remember the Lord's words. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, That's got to be the call. That's got to be the call. Um, It's going to be difficult, but I think that's that's where we have to head. Yeah, Dave? John chapter 1 starts out describing who Jesus was. He was the light. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then we can we can shine that light toward to those around us. And the, the character and nature of light is it doesn't have to be the darkness down that overcomes it simply right. because it shines. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we can't really shine the light of the gospel until it's in us. So filling our hearts and our minds with God's word, with with what's in there, solving problems by going to God's word and saying, What is Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Charlie, then John. Mm-hmm. We identify of course. with the suffering of Christ, and that is an incredible touchstone yeah. for us to reach out to them on, saying that you're close, right? But let me show you somebody more worthy of identifying. Right, right. John? Sounds like the three points are Yeah, absolutely. He's shown you, oh man, right? What is good and what the Lord requires of you. And um, 
justice, mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Absolutely. And yeah, um, we've got, we, we need to um, be about that. Um, so th- there's a real danger here, you know, in, in, in addressing something like this to say, uh, either to ignore it and watch it creep into the church or to just, you know, come in with clubs and destroy it and, and, and feel vindicated. I think the hard road is to say, I, I can agree with a lot of your concerns. I don't think your response is biblical and how can I love and be patient and bear, uh, even even in the face of accusations and mistreatment and things like that? That's really the hard road for all of us to walk. Um, so, yeah. Uh, as usual, I'm done early. Just kidding, I'm not usually done early. But uh, any final questions or thoughts before I close this in prayer and um, wrap up for today? Okay, let's close. Our good and kind Lord, we thank you for your word. May we never uh, use it to vindicate ourselves. May we never use it to justify our um, mistreatment of others. But may we in all things uh, hear your call to the cross, to love others, to speak that truth in gentleness and humility. And may we do that well, we pray, through Christ our Savior. Amen.